when, when you look in the Old Testament, you see throughout the Old Testament uh, kind of this, uh, this concept of the people of Israel following around God's presence. Early on, you see them encamping around the presence of God. And, uh, and then, you know, Israel decides that they, would, would, they don't want to be led by God anymore. They want to have a, um, a king. And so they, they get a human king, which, you know, wasn't the greatest idea uh, of, of, of things. Because if you read through uh, the Old Testament, you see there were good kings and bad kings. And just like us, sometimes we do good things and sometimes we do really stupid things. And, uh, and so uh, Israel moved away from this idea of following around and camping around the presence of God. And, uh, and um, in this particular passage, this kind of got in my mind going, it's not going to be up on the screen, it's just a, a blip on, the, on my radar that just kind of got this thought kick-started. And it's from the prophet Isaiah, and, and he's, he's speaking on behalf of Israel, he's praying, he's crying out to God that God would do something on behalf of Israel. And, and he, he throws up this prayer in Isaiah 64, verse 1, and he says this. He says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. In other words, hey God, would you please come down here? Like that whole rend the heavens and all that kind of stuff. Yes, it's cool language. But he says, God, would, would you just open up heaven and just come down here? Would you come down here, God? Like, we need you down here, right? And, and, and I, that's kind of, it started resonating with me, this idea of like, of like a, a black roof or a, even a clear roof. Like, like, there's this thing sometimes that we sense between us and God. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but, but maybe this prayer has, has been something that you have prayed before as well. <laughs> hey, God, could you fix this? Hey, God, can you, can you change my situation, please? Um, I, I kind of feel like, you know, in, in football, when, when the team uh, that you're pulling for is down by, like, less than a touchdown, and they're way, way back on their side of the field, and, uh, and the end zone is extremely far away, and uh, the, the quarterback throws what's called a, what was it? Hail Mary, right? That's the last ditch effort, right? That's the clock's winding down. We got nothing else to do. I'm just going to chuck it and just hope that somebody has their arms open and scores and we win, right? This is one of those prayers like, like Isaiah saying, hey, God, would you just come down here? God, could you please just fix this? This resonates with me because I, I think sometimes this is the way that I've operated. Hey, God, can you fix my situation? Can you fix my marriage? Can you fix my life? Can you heal this situation that I've got going on? Can you fix this, Lord? Please come down here. And as, I, uh, as that verse just kind of blipped on my radar this week, I was very quickly reminded that God already did. He did. You see, that was an Old Testament Hail Mary. (laughs) And we live in a time where God came down. He opened the heavens. And he first sent Jesus to live a perfect sinless life for me and for you. 
to take away this performance-oriented uh, religion that we have to live by of do's and don'ts and so on and so forth. And then not only did he do that, but at Jesus' baptism in the Gospels, you see the Holy Spirit, God opening heaven up again and the Holy Spirit coming down and resting on Jesus and Jesus living a perfect, sinless life as a human, fully God and fully man, empowered by Holy Spirit. Everything he did, everything he said, everything that he participated in was empowered by Holy Spirit. He came down. He opened the heavens up and came down. And he doesn't stop there. At Pentecost, in Acts, chapter 1, 2, and 3, you can read through that and you see, once again, God opens up heaven and actually sends the Holy Spirit. He sends God's very presence in the form of Holy Spirit on his disciples. And it rests on them. And they release Holy Spirit. It's opened to everyone. So technically, that Isaiah 64, one prayer is not a legal prayer for us. We can't pray, hey God, would you open the heavens and come on down here? Because God's gonna go, already did. In fact, I'm still here. Here I am. I'm with you. So I've started this dialogue in my head about this idea of of what it looks like to live under an open heaven. There's no black ceiling. There's no glass ceiling. There's nothing between me and heaven. If I'm a follower of Jesus, and if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, And if you have received his Holy Spirit, which you did at salvation, you received the the empowering, the assurance of your salvation through the Holy Spirit. Now you get to get it on you through the baptism of Holy Spirit and you can actually be empowered to walk in confidence in this world. So here we are living under an open heaven then why does it seem like there's a black ceiling? Why does it seem like sometimes my feeble prayers just bounce up there and just kind of come back down eventually? Why am I stuck? It's the journey that I've been on. I started looking at at all of these different places of where heaven was opened up. And I want to tell you, friends, through Jesus, heaven is always open. Through Jesus, understand like this is a belief shift that we have to embrace. Through what Jesus did on the cross, heaven is not sometimes open, it's always open. Always open. It's the 7-Eleven, the sheets, right? You can go there anytime. You can, you can impart any. I can go to sheets right now and get anything I want fried and battered and eat like 30 of them, right? At any point, I can access the principles of the kingdom. At any point, I can access God's heart and God's mind and God's spirit because what Jesus did on the cross, the perfection of what he brought to the table, set the stage for my past, present, and my future life to live out. So through Jesus, heaven is always open. Through Holy Spirit, we're invited to see it. So see, this, this, is where the, this is where a shift has to happen in our mindset. If we're followers of Jesus in the room, like, yes, heaven's open to me. 
When I die, I'm going there. I'm in. I'm kingdom-minded. I'm eternal. I'm an eternal being. But if, if I want to see heaven on earth, I have to be empowered the same way Jesus was. I have to have the dove descend down and, and rest on me the way Jesus uh, participated. It's what we get offered. Heaven's always open. Through the Holy Spirit, we're invited to see it. You see, living under an open heaven is this understanding that, that what God is bringing to you inwardly, what is happening on the inside of you, this revived, redeemed spirit, this new thought, new mind, new eyes, new ears, all, this, uh, all the principles of the kingdom, what God is, is downloading to you because of what Jesus did, our obligation or our opportunity is that we get to give it away. We get to share it. We get to be empowered by God's spirit to release it into this physical state in our outward stuff. I want to unpack what that looks like for just a a minute in scripture. So think about this, okay? In um, Mark chapter four, if you got your Bibles, turn there. Let's, let's, let's look there just for a minute. Mark chapter four, it's the, uh, we're gonna look at verse uh, 35 through 40. It's the story of Jesus calming a storm, which he did multiple times, right? Um, and so in, in Mark chapter 35, or excuse me, ch- uh, chapter four, verse 35, it starts out like this. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said to them, let's go across to the other side. Now notice, Jesus sends them to the other side, right? Now listen, Jesus knows everything. He knows a storm isn't coming. In fact, he's done it a couple times. When you read through the rest of the gospels, you see a storm coming and the Lord sending them into a place where a storm happens. Now, once again, this is a mindset shift in our, in our thinking. Friends, God doesn't make the storm of our life, but he may not stop us from going through it. You see what I'm saying? This is a, this is a difference in the thinking. Like, God's not this puppet master up there going, okay, here we go. Like, let me, let me just throw this guy into a storm and see what he does, right? No. In the kingdom, storms don't exist. In the kingdom, death doesn't happen. Job loss, uh, cancer, sickness, like none, none of this stuff happens in the kingdom. So, so he's not using something that is contrary to his kingdom to forward advance his kingdom. It doesn't happen that way. But because we live in a broken world, Jesus knows the storm is coming. Just like you know, the storm's coming. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not a year from now, but there is a storm that you will walk through at some point. We've all been there, right? So Jesus sends them across the lake. It says, he, uh, leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. I like that statement, just as he was. How was Jesus? He was just as he was. In other boats, they were with him. 
And listen to this, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already being filled. But where was Jesus? He was in the stern, in the boat, sleeping on a cushion. So picture this. Um, I've been to uh, the Sea of Galilee, and it's about the size of Baden Lake, if you've been there. It's not that big, okay? Um, but but uh, some really cool stuff happened there. And and they're on this boat, right? Just picture this, like you're, you're in a rowboat, okay? A, a, a decent-sized rowboat, not like a canoe, but not like a yacht, right? And, and, and you're on this rowboat, and you're, you're trying to go across to the other side, and all of a sudden the, the winds and the waves start picking up, and, and the boat starts rocking and, and moving, and all of a sudden the, the waves are getting to the point that they're coming into the boat, okay? Like, this gets a little bit freaky, okay? If, if, if you're in a boat and the, the waves are coming over the boat, right? Like, that's an issue because the water's supposed to stay not in the boat, right? Okay, so, so watch that with me, okay? Here we are in the boat. We're all together. And, and where's Jesus? He's sleeping. Um, in the story, he had just got done doing a bunch of ministry and and uh, and healing people and serving people and teaching and so on and so forth. And, and then he goes across and, and, you know, like, because Jesus was 100% man, 100% human, I think he was just tired. Like, think about this, okay? He had been following the presence of the Lord. He had been hosting the presence of the Lord. He had been going where the presence of the Lord was going. And he was tired because he had been doing that. And so he gets in the boat just as he is and falls asleep. You see, sometimes, friends, I think that the storms that are created in our life are because we're wasting our energy in other places other than the presence of the Lord. I think sometimes the awareness that we have of the storms that are happening in our life are because we aren't wearing ourselves out We aren't walking in the presence, walking in ministry, partnering with the Lord to the point that we get tired and we need rest. And we actually sleep through, we rest through the storms of our lives. We're busy putting our hands in other places, doing other things. Now listen, I'm not trying to make this a performance-oriented talk, okay? I'm not saying you gotta do all this stuff for the Lord, but I'm telling you, if you've ever gone on a mission trip or if you've ever done anything um, specifically purely to serve the Lord, I'm telling you, like the, there is a rest and a peace that comes over you when you get finished in that. If you've ever been on a mission trip, they call it the mission trip hangover, okay? You go and you work your tail off and you love on kids and you actually get fed more than the kids get fed. You get fed more than, than they do because you get filled up spiritually just by watching the joy on the faces of these kids and these people that live in poverty and so on and so forth. And you come home and you just wreck for days. You see, I think Jesus understood this balance of going where the presence goes and sleeping when it's time to sleep. 
So he's in the middle of this storm and he's asleep. It says, they woke him up. And they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Now, once again, this sounds like me. Stuff in, 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 in my life gets a little crazy, right? And we go, Jesus, don't you care? What are you doing? Like, come on, man, do something. The broken marriage, the, the screwed up part, the whatever it is, God, the, the cancer, the so on and so forth. Lord, like, come on, Jesus. Don't you care that I'm gonna die? And what does Jesus do? It says he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said, why, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, any storm that you're feel fearful in is a storm you have no control over. Any storm that brings so much fear and worry and, and, and all of this kind of stuff into your life, anything that you experience like that, because fear is not from the kingdom, any of that that hits your life, any of those storms you don't have control over. But the, also, the opposite is also true. Any storm that you can sleep through is a storm you have control over. Any storm that you can sleep through is a storm you know that you supersede, that you uh, are above that. And that's what Jesus did. You see, this whole concept of living under an open heaven, right? The disciples come to Jesus and they're trying to get him to change the situation when in reality, he's there. <laughs> he's with them. The heavens were already opened up. He was there. And so many times we try to like wake God up and we try to like, like say, God, come on, do something. When in reality, he's already doing it. We just need to rest. You see, what happened in this story is that Jesus literally took the peace that was in him and just put it into the world. Does that make sense? Like, like think about this. Think about it from, from, from like the, 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 the process, the journey, if you will, of, of, of becoming a follower of Jesus. You, you become a follower of Jesus internally and like you say yes to him and, and this transition happens inside you. And then the next part is an opportunity for you to take the kingdom mindset, the kingdom knowledge, the kingdom peace, the kingdom that is overflowing in you and your heart and actually take that and give it to the world. That's what Jesus did. He embodied the culture of the kingdom in himself. And when something came up that was contrary to that, he literally just put the kingdom on it. He put God's principles on on it, he spoke to the storm, and the storm stopped. You see, this is what we're called to do. 
This is what we've been empowered to do in our physical spaces, but it starts with us recognizing the peace that comes within. I think so many times, like like the, the stuff, the proverbial um, junk that's hit the fan, right, is, is like all around our life, and we're trying to figure out why is this the way that life is, and the reality is we don't have peace in here. You're not sleeping through the storm. We're not sleeping through the storm. We're not calm. We're not content. We're not quiet. We don't carry an atmosphere of peace with us. So when we come into the room, the atmosphere of peace doesn't just start permeating. It actually like builds up into more hectic craziness because we're there. What kind of atmosphere do you carry? Because here's the reality, friends. If you're a follower of Jesus and you ask for Holy Spirit to empower you, empower your hands and your feet and your body, and you believe that with everything that you've got, you change the atmosphere no matter where you go. You change the atmosphere. Now listen, what happens when the storm doesn't stop? Because I get that question a lot. What happens when the cancer doesn't go away? What happens when the job doesn't get, you know, whatever, when the marriage just isn't fixed, when the whatever, fill in the blank. What happens when the storm doesn't stop? You know what Peter did? He just got out the boat and walked on the storm. He just walked on it. You see, sometimes the storm may not stop but you still have authority. You still have authority over it. You still get an opportunity to see God's kingdom at work if you just keep your eyes on Jesus. We have so many, so much um, pent-up anxiety and fear and so on and so forth in our lives that we can't give it away because we don't have any peace to give away. And so first and foremost, friends, before you even think about calming storms, maybe the storm in your life, in your heart, in your mind needs to be calmed. That's called deliverance. Like maybe you have something today that you've brought in here that just needs to be gotten out. Prayed over, released. Listen, you're operating in an open heaven. God's not shocked by your junk. He's not. And when when you step into that freedom of, of carrying peace inside, then it just flows out. It just comes out. You can give it away. You get empowered to give away what you have been given. You get to sleep in storms and calm the ones you come across. Um, I just I want to give you just a real world example of what I mean by this because I know this is kind of like out there. Um, so, in our uh, Bible study and free community meal and stuff that we do in downtown High Point, uh, for the last like several weeks, um, every Tuesday never fails. It like in that five to seven time slot where we're down there. Um, it it is the last like several weeks. It's been basically a hundred percent chance of rain every single time. And, uh, and I'm getting, like, sick of it. And uh, a few weeks ago, Scott talked about calming a storm. And so I'm like, all right, man. Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this into practice. And so um, 
this was actually two weeks ago. I said in first service it was last week, but it was, this was actually two weeks ago. And um, look at the radar, and sure enough, it's like 80, 90, 100% chance, boom, like right in the, the time slot. And so uh, we get there, and, um, and as soon as I get out of the truck, I'm like, in Jesus' name, like this storm has to, has to not be here. And, uh, and I said, in Jesus' name, I need 30 minutes to, to serve the food, to hug some people, and just, just let, us, let us at least just get the food and stuff that, that we've prepared out. In Jesus' name. Like, Jesus, give me 30 minutes. And so I look at my watch, and it's 4.55. And, uh, and so we immediately jump out, start serving food, and, um, and all of a sudden, like, the wind starts picking up. And the clouds start continuing to swirl, and it's getting darker, right? And, uh, and, and a raindrop just hits me on the forehead. And I'm like, in Jesus' name, like this storm, give me 30 minutes, Jesus. And uh, kept on serving, doing our thing. And uh, we got all the food out. We hugged everybody. We high-fived. We started packing up. And as soon as the last item got in the truck, Boom, like torrential downpour. Rain just hit. And, uh, and I went, dang it, why didn't I ask for an hour? Now listen, I tell you that story not because I'm, I'm trying to like be a proponent of magic tricks, okay? Um, or that, that I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to get all of us to, you know, go Harry Potter this thing and try to like, do some kind of wizardry. But like for real, my, my heart condition in asking the Lord for 30 minutes is because I want the community of downtown High Point changed. Like it's not about just giving away food. It's about seeing hearts moved. It's about seeing people impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when I ask for 30 minutes, I'm not asking because, because I want to see some magic trick and that'd be cool, God, if you do that. No, I'm like, Lord, please just give me 30 minutes to, to like get this food out, to hug some people, tell them Jesus loves them and just feed their belly and let them go. And out of that motivation, I sincerely believe like that, that's part of us calling heaven down. That's part of us partnering with heaven. That's part of us understanding that we operate under an open heaven and if Jesus can calm storms, so can I. If Jesus can calm storms, so can you. Not just weather storms, I'm talking like storms. Like the storms that are in your life, you have an opportunity to carry an atmosphere of peace into your home, into your workplace, into your family, into your marriage, into your cancer, into your sickness, into your whatever it is, and speak peace over that. Just like Jesus did to that storm. And when the storm doesn't stop, Walk on it. Looking, keeping your eyes on Jesus the entire time. He wants to empower us, friends, to be a carrier of the atmosphere. So what do we do? I just I want to make this real practical. Right, in, in Matthew 16, um, Jonathan's going to come up and bring the Holy Spirit because that's how we do it here. In Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples at Caesarea Philippi, which is one of the like most pagan areas that they could have gone to. All right? 
and, and, and Jesus is at Caesarea Philippi, and they're having this discussion about who do people say that I am. And Peter, because Peter always talks first, he says, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and, says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. The Spirit of God revealed that to you, that I am the Son of God. And, and um, he goes on to say in Matthew 16, uh, verse 19, he says, listen to this. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Friends, I'm a firm believer that because of the redemptive work of what Jesus did on the cross and the invitation to be empowered by the Holy Spirit that we are all given as followers of Jesus, that literally God has taken the keys of his kingdom and placed it in our hands. We are kingdom people. We are to impart a kingdom culture into this earth. It's the reason why Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is always done that way in heaven. God's principles, God's perfection, all of that exists in heaven and we get to partner with him to bind up and loose stuff into this earth. We all walk under an open heaven. And so when I started thinking about, man, what does it mean to bind up and loose stuff? Whatever you bind in earth, whatever you loose in earth shall be bound and loosed in heaven, so on and so forth. I believe that to bind something up, um, in Isaiah uh, 61, Jesus uh, is asked, he's invited to read a, to read a scroll on, a, on a, a gathering at the temple. And he pulls out this passage in Isaiah 61 and it talks about uh, that he's there to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And it literally says to bind up the brokenhearted. When I think of binding something up, I think of you take what is broken and untrue and you make it true. Whatever lie that, it, that you're believing right now, you literally need to bind it with the word. You need to bind the promises of God to that thing in your life that's untrue with the truth, with the truth of the kingdom. If you, you're, you may be telling yourself you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have the right job, you don't have the right situation, you don't have the right family, you don't have the right whatever, whatever that is, that is untrue. It is not from the enemy. I mean, it is from the enemy. It is not from the Lord. Young ladies in the room, you're beautiful. It's truth from the kingdom. Anyone that tells you otherwise, you literally take that broken heart and you bind it up with the beauty that the Father tells you you are. Young men in the room, you're equipped, you're empowered to do every good work that the Lord has invited you into. And anybody that tells you you can't do it, you literally take that brokenness and you bind it up with the truth. Yes, I can in Jesus Christ. Yes, I can through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, you can. What does it look like to loose things 
In the Greek, the word loose comes from the same root family is where we get our word to redeem, to buy something back. So literally the picture that I have uh, about loosing things from heaven, loosing them down to earth is literally you are taking the principles of what's true in the kingdom and you are buying it back from the earth. That's why we call for cancer to be healed because we literally believe that we want to buy back healing that we want to buy back perfection, that we want to buy back wholeness. We want to loose that on everyone. We believe that through Jesus' redemptive work on the cross and through God's empowering of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to speak over a storm and calm it in someone's life. We take what's true in the kingdom and we loose it over the situation. 